0: The readings are from Deuteronomy, um, chapters 29 and 30, but we're dotted around, um, and it's on page 207 (coughs) in the Church Bibles. That's page 207, Deuteronomy 29, starting at verse (coughs) 2. Moses summoned all the Israelites and said to them, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt in, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to all his land. With your own eyes you saw those great trials, those miraculous signs and great wonders. But to this day the Lord has not given you a mind that understands or eyes that see or ears that hear. During the 40 years that I led you through the desert, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. Then down to verse 9. Carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. All of you are standing today in the presence of the Lord your God, your leaders and chief men, your elders and officials, and all the other men of Israel, together with your children and your wives, and the aliens living in your camps who chop your wood and carry your water. You are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God, a covenant the Lord is making with you this day and sealing with an oath to confirm you this day as his people that he may be your god as he promised you and as he swore to your fathers abraham isaac and jacob i am making this covenant with its oath not only with you who are standing here with us today in the presence of the lord our god but also with those who are not here today then down to verse 29 the secret things belong to the Lord our God but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law prosperity after turning to the Lord when all these blessings and curses I have set before you before you come upon you and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations and when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul according to everything I commanded you today then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. And down to verse 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's pray before we share together. Almighty God, we do indeed rejoice in the knowledge that you keep your promises and that you're faithful. And we know that so often we don't keep our promises and we're not faithful to you or to each other. So we pray that you'll speak to us as we look at these two chapters, these words of Moses. And beyond what he says, help us to hear your Holy Spirit speaking to us today and show us how we're to live out our Christian lives today in the light of your word. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at Deuteronomy chapters 29 and 30 and realizing perhaps that they are as challenging or even perhaps disturbing every bit as much as anything we've heard so far in our talks in this part of the Old Testament. So, by way of encouragement, because it can be daunting looking at the text of the Old Testament, let, let me remind us that, uh, yes, we do face challenges today as Christians living in what's often described as a post-Christian society in this part of Western Europe. Uh, but Christians have faced challenges in other places and in other ages, and discovered that God is trustworthy and has given us all that we need in order to live as his people. So let me say that by, by way of encouragement. And um, the special prayer for today, uh, which is an ancient prayer in the old prayer book, Um, slightly rewritten in modern language, includes these words, Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, help us to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. And that dates back a few hundred years and some of you, like me, may have heard it said time and time again in Sunday services. Blessed Lord, you've caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning. And that includes the Old Testament. And it includes the book of Deuteronomy. So help us to hear these words, to read... Mark, learn, and, I like this phrase, inwardly digest them. And as you hear those words, maybe you'd think of a New Testament verse in the letter of James, which say much the same sort of thing, and would be the background for the prayer I'm mentioning James chapter 1, verse 22, and I quote him, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And I think that's a helpful way in to the magnificent verse we've got at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 29, And if you've got your Bibles open, you may like to look at that. If you don't remember anything else from what we shared this morning, remember verse 29 of Deuteronomy chapter 29. This is what it says. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children and they belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Now I'm pretty sure that you'll have noticed by this point in our studies in Deuteronomy that it's a pretty repetitive kind of book. Moses tends to say the same things again and again, and again. And um, with our modern way of thinking, we might be tempted to say, well, he could have said it all much more briefly and got it over with all at once. But that, of course, isn't the way things worked in those days. Repetition was a vital part of the learning process the Jews of old went through. and and it's no bad thing for us. And chapter 29, verse 2, is the beginning of what's often referred to as the third speech that Moses made to the Hebrew people. And in its repetitiveness, it's a good summary of everything that's gone before. There's, if you like, a predictability about it, which is meant as a clear reminder to those Hebrews listening to Moses that God has told them all that they need to know in order to live as his unique and special people in the Promised Land. They haven't quite got it yet and um, in the earlier part of chapter 29, um, rather graciously, but always with reference to the fact that God has the final word, um, in verse 4, Moses says, to this day the Lord has not given you a mind that understands, or eyes that see, or ears that hear. And he gently reminds them that They should have got into the Promised Land in 12 days. But in fact, it took them 40 years. And they dragged their feet big time because they were fearful. And they didn't trust, as they should have done, the trustworthiness of God. The commentators, in focusing on what these verses tell us, draw our attention in the first place, as I've sought to, to verse 29 of chapter 29. And one of them in the Tyndale Old Testament commentary series, a man called John Thompson, writes these words about verse 29. The secret things... That's to say, the things beyond man's knowledge, such as the future, are God's concern. Revealed things, such as God's law and his will expressed through it, are within the range of man's knowledge now. And for these, Israel is accountable. Sufficient is revealed in God's covenant with Israel to provide her with a sure guide for living in the present, and to this she is called. And then he adds, this is a salutary observation which is as relevant for the Christian community as it was for Israel. That's John Thompson, and in a book that I know some of you are using, Uh, by Alec Mateer, Undated Devotions Through the Book of Deuteronomy, Um, he puts the same thought uh, more directly. This is what he writes on verse 29. Leave secrets to God. Your obligation is to what has been revealed. Make that enough for you. But let me flag up uh, what's behind that verse. Let me flesh it out a bit. And there are at least two things in the opening part of chapter 29 that are important. They were for Israel, they are for us today. And the first we have in chapter 29, verses 2, particularly through to verse 6 which begin, your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt. And what follows is a call to remember, to look back, to take their own history seriously, and to remember what God had done for them, all that the Lord did to deliver them from slavery in Egypt, I guess uh, the only glimpses we get of that world would be the occasional films that uh, are produced by North American film directors and one or two of Jewish background have done a pretty good job on it. But we can never fully capture what it meant for a whole nation to be enslaved in Egypt at that time. And they, the Jews who've been rescued from all that, are never to forget it. That God was behind a quite incredible deliverance, and they're to look back to it with gratitude. So that's the first specific, if you like. They mustn't forget their history. They're constantly... And whenever they celebrated the Passover as Orthodox Jews do to the present day, they look back to that deliverance from slavery in Egypt. But then if you look at chapter 29 from verse 9 onwards, there's a different emphasis carefully follow the terms of this covenant, so that you may prosper in everything that you do. All of you are standing today in the presence of the Lord, the Lord your God. And I read through that paragraph and counted the word today or this day, and it comes at least five times. Here's... Moses being deliberately repetitive today, this day, here and now. You people listening to me, he says to the Hebrews, you need to remember, but you also need to live it out in your daily lives today. And... The paragraph is, in fact, a very good summary of all that we're told in the Bible as it is in the books we know as Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. If you want a quick summary of the opening chapters of the Bible, except Genesis, you've got it in these verses. They're to get to grips with what I've called the then and now factor. They are to look back to that great day of deliverance and at the same time they're to see that the God who's rescued them is utterly reliable for the challenges they, in their generation, face today. Do you see the tension there? It's not a question of just looking back and being thankful. It's a question of looking back and being thankful that this is true for us today. And um, there are just two points I want to make out of what I see in this passage. And the first would be this. We, today, you and me, Christian people, are to trust God and live by what he tells us in Scripture. Whether it's James chapter 1, verse 22, or whether it's Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, we are to live by what God has revealed in Scripture. It's enough, it's sufficient to guide us. And the second point, and this is what I'm drawing out of the passage in chapter 29, verses 9 to 15, we're to look back to our great deliverance as Christians, of course, to the cross of Christ. That's why we celebrate the Holy Communion service, the Lord's Supper on a regular basis. We look back to the cross, and we do that because... It's precisely what Jesus commanded us to do. But the looking back is only part, if you like, of the exercise. We're to look back to the cross, but we're constantly to remind ourselves also that God, who is sovereign, and he's Lord over the whole of history, is utterly reliable to guide us and protect us in the challenges we face in contemporary Britain. And they're very distinct from the challenges that people of my age face when they were teenagers and young people. And can I urge you, if you don't do this, um. Make it your habit to find out what your children are thinking and reading and why. And if you're really old, what your grandchildren are thinking and reading and why. And if you're not married, still ask the questions. Get to know people who are living in the contemporary world in ways that we older people are not always aware of. And it will open your eyes. Because, you see, if we don't understand well what is going on around us, we won't know how to apply the Christian gospel, the good news, in ways that will make sense. Um, I'd love to develop this theme, I'm I'm not going to, except to say that um, the book we're studying in the men's reading groups by Melvin Tinker, that hideous strength, how the West was lost, is hugely relevant for us, men or women, older or younger people, in understanding the kind of society that people are living in around us today, and it affects us all, whether we realize it or not. Because, you see, the great temptation in any age, in any place, is just to go with the flow. But the scriptures which are God's word written are more than adequate to help us to keep our grip on God and his power to keep us faithful. Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. Dare I say it, if your only diet from the Bible is a Sunday sermon, morning or evening, it's not enough we don't give our kids, our grandchildren, we don't feed ourselves one meal a week and think that's more or less okay. We need to be more diligent than that and more disciplined than that. If we're to be able to apply biblical truth, what God has spoken of the kind of world we live in today. And one of the great tragedies of the contemporary church, sadly, especially in the West, is that we've stopped reading our Bibles with the seriousness that's needed to face the challenge that's ours today. What's the significance, for example, of living in Europe, regardless of whether we're pro or against whatever the contemporary political issues may be, what's the point if we don't understand that Europe is a continent in decline? And one of the reasons for it is we're not having enough children. Now, let me perhaps phrase that carefully. Um, You see... The people who study these things say that unless a nation or nations keep a certain level of family life and children being born, they will decline. And some of you may well have read the same articles that I've been reading which underline the fact that the European nation is inevitably going to decline and it will face even greater challenges from nations in other parts of the world in every sense, unless we take family life seriously. So three cheers for the little kids, dotted about, and those who've gone out to their own classes. But you can see what I'm getting at. What we read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest as adults we are obliged to pass on to our children and our children's children because according to Deuteronomy 29:29 29, 29, what god has revealed is our responsibility and we don't need to spend time which can often be a wasted time speculating about the areas that god has not revealed There's enough to go on in Scripture, which he's given us. And Moses spells it out at the end of chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his word, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. Quite powerful watching what Tim was doing with the kids this morning, Uh, whether it's horses or cars, uh, and all the other things he mentioned. How easy it is to live divided lives. Well, says Moses, the Lord is your life, and if you're not wholehearted in your devotion to him, sooner or later these other things, good though they are, and vital though they are in their place, will gradually take over. And you can imagine as the Israelites heard Moses saying this yet again, because he's been repeating this message steadily as we've worked our way through Deuteronomy, sort of shrugging their shoulders and saying, but Moses, we've messed up. What if we fail? What if we fail again? What if we find the pressure of an increasingly hostile society around us so great that we simply give up. I can remember from South American days, conversations with leaders who'd say, John, um, this corruption business that affects us so deeply, you're right, it is serious, but what can we do about it? And with a shrug of the shoulders, you sort of say... Well, it's beyond us to handle. Well, if we believe that, then we've fallen into the trap of fatalism. And uh, in the South American context, that fatalism came into Roman Catholicism through the influence of Islam, and it's done an enormous amount of damage. Because the God whom we worship is powerful to change us in the society we live in today. We can make a difference. (coughs) And that's what I want us to look at finally from chapter 30, verses 1 to 4. When all these blessings and curses I've set before you come on you, and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations. And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you, and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Even if you've been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. What a wonderful thing repentance is. Where would we be If we couldn't say sorry, or when other people say, I'm sorry, say back to them, that's okay. That's the way we are as human beings. Admitting our failure at the level of family life, husbands and wives together, we hold out valiantly, don't we, against admitting we can get it wrong. But what grace there is in saying, I'm sorry, I got it wrong, and hearing someone else say, that's okay, I forgive you. It doesn't, it seems to me, matter which political affiliation, if any, you have, it would do our political classes a great deal of good if they were to learn to say sorry occasionally to one another, I got it wrong. But of course, once our sense of accountability to God is eroded, it becomes even harder to admit to one another, we need forgiveness and we need the grace to forgive others. And sadly, in many parts of our Western society, we've got to the stage where there is no credible sense of accountability to God, our creator and our saviour. So no wonder we find it hard. So what Moses is doing here is urging us to listen to God again, and to persevere in that. Don't expect suddenly everything to fall into place. Those of you who've had the privilege of bringing up children and still have it, know it doesn't work like that. But even at their most rebellious and awkward and difficult, they need to know you stand with them and you stand alongside them and that there are boundaries that are worth having. Persevering. Walking again, in that old phrase, a bit quaint but very helpful, walking again in the pathways of the Lord. And by the grace of God... We can have done with drifting, with just going with the flow. We can learn to stand firm again. One of the great advocates of this is a North American guy, Oz Guinness, who's insistent that we could see a Christian renaissance if we were to learn to walk again in the pathways of the Lord. So let's this day choose life for ourselves and for our children. For God is our life. Let's pray. Father, you know that we are also different from each other. And we thank you for that uniqueness that is uniquely ours as you've created us. But at the same time, we pray, dear Father, we may understand better how we can support one another as we face the challenges of being a pilgrim people ourselves looking forward to our eternal home. Help us to help one another, to make a difference in every way that we can in the here and now, today, in this place where you've put us. And we thank you, dear Father, that through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, this is possible, and we give you the glory. Amen.